The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. And how do you get the help of expert legal counselors? Well, you listen to this show every day that it's available or anytime online on the Extra 106.3 app, any of the podcasting platforms, Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify as well. So always just search for your day in court. But if somebody does need your help right away, Way. Bruce, how do they get a hold of you? Easy to find me. Use your Google machine and uh, put in my name, Bruce Hagen, H-A-G-E-N. We'll pull up all the many different ways uh, that you can reach me. You'll also see some of the great reviews that I have on Google, hundreds of them. You know, we do a good job for folks and they appreciate us, but uh, you can also call me 404-522-7553, Bruce at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N. And uh, we are there 24-7 to answer your calls and help you with your personal injury claim needs. And Ray Judice. Yeah, I'm here in Roswell now after 30-something years in Buckhead. Living in Roswell, have my offices up here. I'm loving being on the north side and having some access to maybe some courts that years ago I didn't go to as much. Hall County, Forsyth County, Cherokee County as the population of our metropolitan area moves north and in fact in every direction uh getting harder and harder to get from place to place i used to be able to go anywhere you wanted to in atlanta in 20 minutes park up front pay two dollars a park it's not that way but if you get into trouble or a friend or family member or you just want to ask me a legal question 404-964-4185 i send people to bruce if i can't help them Uh, bruce sends people to me we both send people to a really good vetted list of really competent, experienced lawyers that we would trust if our family member needed a will or a land situation, a deed or something like that. We'll send you to somebody great and give you a little advice on the way. We've got a uh, great guest coming up, Christian Y. Smith, who's running for attorney general in the state of Georgia. So we're on a short segment here. But what happens if you're driving down the road and the mattress pops off the back of some uh, (laughs) delivery truck and you have a crash? Who's at fault there? Yeah, and who hasn't uh, driven on 285 or any of the interstates around Atlanta and seen a mattress or a box spring on the road or Or a a ladder? ladder, Yes. I've I've seen a uh, washing machine in the the middle of the road. (laughs) Seems Um, impossible. And and so the Georgia Supreme Court was recently asked to issue a rule on this, and it was a case involving somebody whose car hit a mattress that they couldn't avoid, and they suffered some pretty significant injuries in the process. You know, most of the time, you're never going to know what happened, how that mattress got there unless somebody comes back looking for it, right? And chances are it's not going to be some deep pocket defendant, right? It's always the guy in the pickup truck with 16 mattresses piled up and a bungee cord trying to hold them all down. It's just One bungee going, cord. Right, yeah. going to the dump. But in this particular case, it turns out they were able to identify that this was um, a Sam's Club purchased mattress that had been tied onto a vehicle by two Sam's Club employees. And that led to a claim being brought directly against Sam's Club for their negligence in securing the load to the vehicle. And there's a statute on this. It would almost seem that that didn't need to go to the Supreme Court. That just seems like that's how it's supposed to be. They had the responsibility to properly load the item. 
to secure it down. Uh, they're in control of the, of the loading dock. So I, I drove a truck a little bit in New York City, okay. a fish truck, and we used to back the truck up to the dock. Beep. And the rule was Beep. that you know you once that once that was material was put on your truck, you were responsible as you pulled off the dock. But let's say the pallet wasn't stacked properly, and there's a there's an art to stacking a, a pallet of sure. boxes so that the weight is balanced. If the forklift or the or pallet jack that put it in, then they would be responsible if it was done wrong or the pallet was stacked wrong. Okay, so it seems to me that this is a law. But Bruce, I have a question. I'm driving down 285, and a painting one of these painting vans that we all see with 12 ladders on top of it. One of those ladders falls off. Truck runs off. The van runs off. Nobody gets a license plate. I run over that ladder and I do a lot of damage to my car. Is that an uninsured motorist claim? That's a great question. And it's, uh, there's some narrow case law that helps define that. And it's, it, I don't want to say it makes no sense, but it makes no sense in some respects <laughs> because the law basically says that if the thing that you ran over in the middle of the road and caused damage to your car or an injury to you um, was something that is closely associated with the operation of a vehicle, ah. then you can make a claim so under a, uninsured a, motorist. So a piece claim. of the car fell off, a well, fender or he, something. Here, here's, here's the example. So if there's a complete full assemble tire, the full tire in the road and you hit that tire and it causes injury or, or damage to your vehicle, that's a claim can be brought against uninsured motorist because it's seen to um, arise from the operation of a motor vehicle. If it's a tread from a tire that comes off, you know, you see these uh, road gators out there all the time of just tire treads that come out, and that's what you run over and cause injury, or a ladder that falls off, then that's not something that you can make a claim for uninsured motorist on, and, and it doesn't cover it. So it really is a gap in the law. The law in this instance said that the operator of a vehicle had responsibility for anything that came off of their vehicle, if you can identify the operator. Yeah. But this case involved the person who helped load the thing onto the vehicle for the operator. So it took it a little bit farther. And some business groups and Sam's Club themselves argue that you're this would be creating a form of strict liability, which is not what the statute intends. And the court says, no, it's not strict liability. That, that was the minor victory in there for um, Sam's Club and, and maybe for other businesses, that there's no strict liability. It's just if you were negligent in securing the load, then you can be held accountable for that act of negligence. It's not every single time something purchased so, in your store ends up on the road. So the load was properly secured by the loading folks. And, you, and someone goes down the road and they play with it or they loosen the string up to reach inside and get out a pair of tube socks. And they've and they've undone the wrapping and the packaging and the stacking. Then that would be maybe comparable negligence, or would shift to the operator. Or an, an intervening act. It's always tube socks with you. Um, <laughs> the other thing, uh, you know, is is that it's a pistol. Really, is Pete Maravich. I, I just right. can't get those socks out of that's my right. head. Yeah, and so this is this is a pretty narrow decision. It's it's really not going to change things. I think sadly the net result of this is going to be that as customers of big box stores, when we need help to get things into our car and secure them, <laughs> they're going to tell us, "I'm sorry, we're not allowed to help you with yeah, that." Right, 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 because we don't want to be liable. Yeah, big this, sign. Bring your own. That's right. Yeah. That's right. This is your day court on Extra 1063 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we come back in segment two and three, a man that's running for AG in the state of Georgia by the name of Christian Wise Smith. You'll hear from him next on Extra 1063 on your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We also have a special guest with us today. His name is Christian Wise Smith. He is running for attorney general in the state of Georgia. You heard him on the morning extra earlier this week. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you guys for having me again. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you, my buddy Ray, and my new friend. That's right. So thank you guys for having me. Oh my gosh, you are always, always always welcome there's a uh, not a nicer man that you'll ever meet than christian wise smith so uh, it's uh, it's terrific to have you and and bruce we want to talk about his run but uh, you had a great question and what does the ag actually do yeah i do think that's something that the general public needs to know and understand is what is the role of the attorney general and and why does it matter who holds that office in the state of georgia so if i could describe the position in one word i would use protector the attorney general's job is to protect all of the citizens of Georgia. Uh, it's a constitutional office, so the, the job or the office is created by the Georgia Constitution, uh, and your job is to protect and defend the, the Georgia Constitution and all of its citizens. And so I, I think we can say that the job really has two aspects. One is prosecution, uh, working with all of the law enforcement agencies and DAs throughout the state. And there are some uh, crimes that the AG specifically prosecutes, like human trafficking. Uh, there was a new bill introduced in session uh, I think about it, two weeks ago, I think it was HB 1134, uh, that will give the attorney general uh, jurisdiction to prosecute gang uh, cases. Uh, and then there's a civil aspect to the job where the AG uh, protects you know, consumer rights. Uh, the AG can protect you know, our access to affordable health care. The AG can protect uh, the opioid crisis that we're experiencing right now. The AG can go after those pharmaceutical companies who pump too many drugs into our communities to help keep us safe. So I think in one word, the, the best word to describe that job is protector of all of us in the state of Georgia. And I think that I'm the best person to do this job. Uh, one, because of my life story, having lived through the system and experienced the system on that side. But then two, because I've actually served as a prosecutor for seven years. And in my lifetime, Georgia has not had an attorney general who has served as a prosecutor. If you go back to uh, Bowers, uh, Thurber Baker, Sam Owens, Chris Carnell, uh, or anybody else who's running for the office, they've never served as a prosecutor first. So I think it's interesting that we haven't had one, 
uh, and me being the first one in my lifetime who has, I think you'll definitely see a big difference in how things in our state will be done with me in that seat. You know, you and I go way back. We've yes, had sir. cases against each <laughs> other and fought some courtroom battles, but also worked things out. You representing the people of the state of Georgia and myself representing an accused citizen. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the things that I personally uh, don't like when I see various attorneys general around the country, especially in the Northeast and in California, they seem to spend a lot of time suing Facebook, uh, you know, major corporations for overcharging or for, uh, you know, for whatever. And it seems to me it's a battle that may need to be fought perhaps on the federal level with legislation or in Congress. But, you know, I, I grew up in New York and we've had some great mayors and some crummy mayors. And the good mayors in New York made sure the potholes were filled and the garbage was picked up. And what I mean by that, what, the analogy I'm trying to make is, you know, the citizens of this state are right now experiencing a crime wave. Would You, you would agree with that? I would, yes. All right. So, you know, that's the pothole. That's the thing that I as a citizen every day when I drive out my driveway and run into that pothole or hear about that robbery down the street or see that yellow crime tape around the gas station, I say, you know, why are we suing? Why is my attorney general fooling around with Facebook overcharging or some nonsense like that? What, tell us what your plan there is. So that proves my point, right? When you have an attorney general who has not served as a prosecutor, when you have an attorney general who's been a trial lawyer, they do what trial lawyers do. When you have an attorney general who's been a prosecutor, us understanding how to fight crime and how to work with law enforcement and understanding that our safety matters first before we can do those other things, uh, that's going to make a big difference. And so one of the ways we will address crime in Georgia is by being more visible and more active in our communities. I think if the community sees police officers and, and attorneys coming to community forums and coming to our schools to engage with our kids in positive ways, you'll see a shift. I mean, that's what changed my life. It was a, a black police officer who pulled me to the side when I was doing some things the wrong way, who said, hey man, you can be a leader. You can do things a different way. And if we start having more of that, if we start building those bridges between our communities and law enforcement, because right now it's very much a, a us versus them mentality. When people see police officers, they typically get scared. Police officers are usually there to respond or react to things. And I want to be more proactive and more engaged. And so having an attorney general who understands that and operates like that would be huge. And and, and I will say this, you know, the Facebook stuff, the, the data privacy stuff, that, that is important to Right, I don't mean to apply it's not. Right, right, right. We want to make sure our privacy is protected and all right. of that. But that shouldn't be all we focus on. You're absolutely and right. And it seems that that's done more for grandstanding. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day... Uh, you know, the big co corporations hired the greatest lawyer in America, David Boys, and he beats the crap out of the government every time. <laughs> you know, but, but to some extent, there's money to be had for the citizens of Georgia, too. And, you know, you look at the opioid litigation. A lot of times the attorney general makes the decision to um, re retain a special assistant attorney general, meaning an outside law firm, somebody who's right. not within the state law department or attorney general's legal department to um, to handle that kind of a prosecution. And, and you know, these cases have resulted in a lot of money recovered for well, the states. That's true. And, and, you know, you go back to the tobacco litigation. Sure. But again, you know, one of the things, and I'm just sort of, Kristen and I are talking as lawyers, and you're a lawyer, of course, <laughs> Bruce, but in the criminal yeah, justice battled. system, yeah. the things that we see uh, on both sides where you know, and, and I'm going to be 64 years old. So as a 37 years in the, in the courtroom, I'm really watching 
the third generation yeah. of young men coming into the courtroom in orange jumpsuits. Yeah. You know, when I was a 27-year-old lawyer, I would say, what, a, an 18-year-old kid shot somebody? I mean, I was shocked. And I was a 42-year-old lawyer. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what happens. And now I'm a 63-year-old lawyer. I'm saying, we're never going to stop this. It's well, How are we going to do it? Georgia's never had an AG like me. The South or the country has never had an attorney general like me. Somebody with the story that I have overcoming so many things in the justice system with my family and my neighborhood, I can connect to people on a human level that we haven't seen from a leader before. And I think sometimes it just takes a little bit of inspiration. It just takes a little bit of encouragement. It just takes somebody seeing somebody who looks like them to say, you know what, I can do something different or better. I'm not saying that's going to fix everything. I'm not saying that crime is going to instantly go away once I become attorney general. But what I am saying to everybody in Georgia is that with my life experience and my work experience, we will start to see some things improve because we will see something that we've never seen before. If you, what, What's the old saying? If you keep doing things the same way, yeah, right. you keep getting the point. same and results, expected, that's the definition yeah. of insanity, insanity right? right? Yeah. So what I, what I want to challenge to everybody throughout Georgia right now is to think differently, to think about changing how we run the justice system in Georgia by having a guy in office who's lived it and who's worked in it so we can start to see some, start to see some different results. Let me just jump in. What do you think about the, uh, the no bail bond, no cash bond thing that's, in my opinion, even as a criminal defense lawyer, has been an abject failure in New York City and Minneapolis where, where they started or where you know, famous people are bailing out murderers and putting up bail bonds. And within 24, 36 hours, these these people who who not should not be denied bail because that they so they can't get a fair trial or justice. And because I want my clients out on bond, too. But if they don't meet the criteria and if they're a nemesis to the community where they have 30 and 40 arrests, what is your thoughts about that? I think you hit the nail on the head in that I think a lot of people who are not attorneys don't understand the factors for getting a bond. You know, that's the likelihood of, of committing another offense. That's uh, whether or not that person poses a danger to themselves or society or if there's some witness intimidation that can happen and the nature of the offense, right? And so when you mention murder, in my opinion, murder should be a no bond offense. Now there are some of the lower level nonviolent offenses that I think are fine to have signature bonds and, and don't need to go through a bonding company or pay murder or pay money, excuse me. But there are uh like you mentioned, those factors that we as attorneys know and that I think the public should know. We have to consider those when when it comes down to bond. We can't just say, okay, you've been arrested, come back on your court date. Well, oftentimes we see more crimes committed by, as you mentioned, the, the folks with 30 and 40 arrests, the repeat offenders, the, the recidivists, as we call them. Um, so I, I do think that we need to look at how we do bond in Georgia. Um, I do think that there are a lot of people who unfortunately remain in custody on those lower level offenses like possession of marijuana that we talked about earlier. Uh, or, or, or some other nonviolent offenses who could be given a bond so that they can keep their jobs and make sure they keep their families and they don't lose everything and they, they don't become a more serious offender later because they lost everything early. But, yeah, once you get up the, the totem pole, uh, I definitely agree that, you know, offenses like murder, rape, child molestation, those should not have bonds. You're listening to Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Also a guest today, he's running for attorney general in Georgia 
Christian Wise Smith joining us. Now, Christian, I'm a civil litigator. I do uh, personal injury law, personal injury cases. So my experience with the Attorney General's office is generally when I'm filing a lawsuit over uh, something that comes under the Tort Claims Act. Yeah. Um, I don't know to what extent the budgeting aspect for this falls under the Attorney General's office, or if that's something that the governor does, the legislature does. We've got a case right now that we're trying to get resolved, and it's one, it's a horrible fact pattern involving a child who died um, while in foster care and claims that uh, procedures were not handled properly by the state, by the agency that the state brought in. But we're told that um, even if we can get this case resolved, we agree on amount, the State Tort Claims Act fund is currently underfunded so that there's no ability to even make a payment until the end of the year. And I'm thinking to myself, how is it possible that we're dealing with an underfunding situation for something like this, so something so grievous, um, particularly when I hear the governor saying we've got a billion plus. Um, I think it's three billion, s- isn't it? He's a $1.2 billion surplus that we're going to give money to every single voter in this uh, election year to make sure that uh, folks are putting some money back. Because he keeps saying, this is your money, not not the state's money. Um, so what? first of all, if you could just explain maybe what the AG's role is when it comes to defending the state against civil claims, and then also this issue of uh, funding, how that can be addressed by the Attorney General's office. So right, the Attorney General does uh, defend all of the state agencies. The attorney general does advise the governor, and the attorney general does review uh, all of the contracts that are made with the state. And so in addressing what you're saying specifically, I think that the attorney general, one, should be talking to the governor. You mentioned the governor and, and the, the funding or a lack of funding to make sure that they, that we are able to resolve the things that need to be resolved. And I think that... Anything involving children, right? The, the, our most vulnerable citizens are children and our elderly folks. I think the attorney general has to pay special attention to those cases and make sure that they are resolved in fair ways. Uh, whether the AG is defending, you know, state agencies or not, you know, we have to make sure that things are be do- being done in a fair way, uh, in an equitable way. And I think that making sure that we're working with the governor, whoever the governor will be when I'm AG to make sure that the funding is in place so that we can resolve cases the way that they need to be resolved is something that I'll definitely do as AG. You mentioned whoever the governor may be. Does it matter to you, do you think, in terms of your ability to be the most effective attorney general that you can be? Would it make a difference who wins this next uh, governor's election? No, because the attorney general is independent of the governor. So you're not taking orders from the governor every day. And I think that, you know, the role of the attorney general, although I'm running as a Democrat, I mean, it's really a a bipartisan office, right? Because crime or or even civil issues, as you mentioned, they don't care if you're black or white. They don't care if you're rich or or poor. They don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. So to me, it won't matter if the the governor is a Republican or a Democrat, a man or a woman. My job will be to make sure that I'm protecting the citizens of Georgia uh, to the best of my abilities and working with the governor, whoever it is, and to the best of my ability. Now, this is a statewide race. Yes, sir. And last count, Georgia has 160... 159 counties. 159 counties. Yes. And so you plan to have a chicken dinner in pretty much every one of those counties between now and the election. I mean, my, my team and I will be strategic about the places that we go around the state. You know, obviously, I won't be able to make all 159 uh, we'll have to look at, you know, where we think we'll get the votes we'll need. Uh, we'll have to look at places that we'll, we'll think will 
want to come hear me and see me speak uh, and be ex- excited about the things that we want to bring across the state. Because we only have, I think, about 10 or 11 weeks right now until the primary on May 24th. So I will be out throughout the state. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to hit all 159, but but between now and November in the general, I'll definitely hit all 159. But one of the things I, I kind of raised that in jest, but also, again, if I was a criminal defense lawyer and someone involved in the system, is the huge disparity in sentencing yeah. that, that we see from county to county, from judicial circuit to just judicial circuit. I make a little joke in my office with some of my clients. I take a legal pad and I make a line right down the middle. I say, this F represents Forsyth County. This other side of this page represents Fulton County. If you rob the QT in Forsyth, it's 20 to do 10. If you rob the, the racetrack on the other side of the street in Fulton, it might be a whole lot less than that for the same crime. Yeah, Ray, you, you ought to do an outreach to uh, potential criminals before they commit crimes <laughs> so that they can consider crime. these sort of things but, because but, that, but, I mean, that's really good information for people to know you, when they're making you decisions. Know you want to do your probation in. And, and, but, but when that trickles down to the people not in the system, yes, sir. Uh, to where I'm trying to use that information for the best advantage of my clients, as Bruce is pointing out in his sardonic way, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as only a fellow New Yorker can do, uh, it doesn't seem right to most folks sitting home and, and maybe they saw all the news at night and they see a case from one county and then they see a similar case in another county and one guy's out on bond and the other guy's not on bond. And maybe those folks that are accused don't look like each other. Absolutely. So, you know, those are some systemic problems in our system that, Absolutely. you know, I'm, as a member of it, I, I want someone to take to take the ball and fix it. Uh, and I appreciate you for, for bringing that up. You know, the systemic problems um, in our justice system here in Georgia, they go back a long time. And that's why, one, having someone who looks like me, just the visual, right, will make some difference. And then, two, being able to talk about the history of it and why we need to start correcting these things and be fair across the board. That was one of the big reasons I'm running. I'm running because I believe in what the Declaration of Independence says, that all men are created equal. And I think that we need to have a justice system that really stands for you know, justice and equality for all, true justice for all. And one of the ways I think I achieved that is by having a conversation with every DA throughout the state, having a conversation with every police chief throughout the state and all of the law enforcement agencies who work throughout the state. And having an AG who served as a prosecutor, you know, it's gonna make a big difference with me knowing how the relationship and how the, the how you work with the different actors in the law enforcement community go so I can have that conversation about why we need more equity across And as the a compliment, board. I can tell you that you also have the cred with the other side of the aisle, the, the criminal defense lawyers, because yes, I is one. I mean, I remember you and I having a, a kind of a heated conversation. Yeah. I was out of town <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, but we had, you know, man to man, we we knew we could each pick 12 and if we had to and get yes, it, but sir. we got that case worked out. And, and that's because you were willing to talk to me. Where, you know what? I mean, Bruce, you know, you get those insurance company lawyers that slam the phone down or the adjusters that tell you to, you know, take a long walk off a short pier. But in our system, we have got to work together up until the point we can't. You're absolutely right. And, and I think this is not a knock on prosecutors because I am a prosecutor. I did it for a couple of years, too. But I think systemically, right, there's this mentality that you have to win and you have to get a conviction. Well, the definition of justice doesn't say conviction anywhere in it. 
And I think because prosecutors think that way, they look at defense attorneys as enemies, where I look at defense attorneys as colleagues, right? We're, we're all members of the bar. We're all trying to resolve a problem. Of course, we're, we're attacking that and, and approaching that problem with a different perspective. But the goal is, you know, how do we resolve this in a fair way for the defendant and in a fair way for a victim if there's a victim involved in the case? And so, you know, defense attorneys like yourself and all of the defense attorneys who I've encountered throughout my career, one, I approach you guys the way I want to be approached, right? Like you said, man to man and with respect. And we can talk to each other in civilized ways. We try to find that common ground and we get the work done. So I've always enjoyed working with you. And the last case we had was, was a funny one. I won't, I won't say the facts right. on, on, on air, but it, it was a funny case. It, it, we have fun sometimes, even though, you know, the, the reasons why we're coming together aren't fun. You know, I, I don't want to make light of that. I, I'm, I mean, the working relationship with the other side uh, doesn't have to always be adversarial. It doesn't always have to be, you know, me versus them, because the goal is justice. And what justice looks like is not always a conviction. I want people to really understand that sometimes justice looks like helping someone change their life for the better. And so I appreciate defense attorneys who really approach cases that way and not the defense attorneys who just want dismissals, who just want to win. It, it works the same way on both sides. What you and Ray are talking about is professionalism. And, and exactly. it's great to see. Uh, and, and certainly... You know, I, I feel like you do, and I go into every uh, encounter with another lawyer with an idea that I'm going to respect this person and treat them with decency until, me, until they give me a reason not to. Exactly. And, and, and so we start from the premise that somebody is, is worthy and you can treat them professionally, and then, you know, you get that first slap in the face, and sometimes it's like, okay, now it's on. <laughs> I, understand, I understand where you're coming from, and you're going to uh, not appreciate where I'm coming from can, on can this. Can I jump in on one last thing? Uh, and Bruce talked about funding. One of the things I've seen, again, in my almost 40 years of this is that we are having accountability courts yes. and it's just nothing better. Yes. Uh, you know, I know all the tough guys out there. Oh, everybody need they need to go to jail and slam the door and put them under the prison. But when a man's got a, a substance abuse problem or a woman has that or, or can't take care of their children and they go stealing because of that, we got to have courts that deal with that, not just as a violation of the Georgia Code. It is a violation of the Georgia Code. We can we can accept that. Yes. So we're seeing that now in increasing metropolitan counties, but but every county's got to have a drug court, especially in in rural areas where they really need a drug court. We need drug courts in every counties, in every county, and we need. I want a military veterans that, I was court say veterans, in right. every county. Yes, sir. We have to honor and, and appreciate all of our military vets in Georgia and throughout the country. And because of what I have some friends who I've grown up with who, you know, fought in Iraq. I've heard some of the horror stories about what they experienced, which is, you know, a million times worse than what we experienced growing up in the hood. And when they come home with all of that stuff in their head, sometimes they get addicted to substances. And I think that if they come into contact with the justice system, they should know that we're there to help them get their lives back on track. And I want to see a drug court, like you said, in every county, and military veterans courts in every county so that we're helping those folks. When I represent a veteran, the first thing I do is get their DD-214. Yeah, I know about that. Honorably discharged. It's a military report card. That's right. And and I've shown tough guy prosecutors a DD-214 that's got bronze star, silver star, medal of distinctions, and say, okay, 
I'm going to put them on the witness stand, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and show. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I yeah. think what it's great. What did you do? Talking right. to Christian <laughs> right. Y. Smith here on Your Day in Court with Renowned Lawyers. Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. when we continue, we'll uh, continue the discussion about the things that uh, an AG does, what maybe Christian would do differently, and uh, more crash, uh, and pick up. And more questions uh, from Bruce and Ray and how you can get in touch with them if you ever need their services here on Extra 106.3 and your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. At the end of the show, I'll give you the information you need to get a hold of Ray and Bruce just in case you are in a situation where you need legal help. We're visiting with Christian Wise Smith. On the show today, he is running for attorney general in the state of Georgia. You mentioned how earlier how justice is not the same thing as a conviction. People do get confused about that sort of thing because you see a lot of folks and victims' families who are interested in seeing something happen and they want justice for so-and-so. And as I, I tell them, you don't want justice. You want a conviction. Yeah. Justice is an entirely different thing. Justice is a process and justice is a fair process. And I don't think that's actually what you're looking for here. So uh, I appreciate you pointing that out. I did have a question for you. And assuming that you are the uh, winner of the Democratic primary and you're head-to-head with Chris Carr in November, uh, who is the incumbent Republican attorney general, what do you think is a point of distinction or points of distinction between you and Chris Carr? What mistakes, if any, do you think he's made? Or what would you like to have seen him do differently during his tenure in office? I think the biggest difference between uh, myself, him, anybody else in the race, or any of the attorney generals that we've had in my lifetime is that I've been a prosecutor first. I've served as a prosecutor, and Chris Carr has not. Having, I would say, that experience as a prosecutor will help me approach crime differently. One of the things that I will say that I agree with what Chris Carr has done is is some of the gang prosecutions he's done and the, the gang task force that the state has created. But there's one difference that I would add to what he's done. Uh, I would add 
white supremacist groups to how we define and what we think of as gangs and making sure that we're also uh, trying to dismantle and prosecute those organizations the same way we would a street gang that, you know, is black or brown folks. And another thing that I would have done differently than him is I would protect our access to the Affordable Care Act. Chris Carr has uh, tried to dismantle that. And I think being a prosecutor, I understand that a lot of crimes are committed because folks are trying to survive. And if you don't have access to health care, if you don't have access to food or jobs or, or any of those things, those all contribute into certain crimes. And I think that if we have an attorney general who wants to see millions of people throughout the state not have access to certain medicines and treatment and the health care that they need, I think we would see an increase in crime in certain parts of the state because of that. So I think those are some of the big differences between uh, himself and myself and, and anybody else running for AG. I think there's two questions that probably every one of our listeners was wondering is, what is your position on the legalization of some form of gambling in this state, uh, especially when you think about the enormous revenues that are potentially there, and also the decriminalization or the legalization of small amounts of personal use marijuana? Marijuana absolutely should be legalized uh, in Georgia and everywhere else in the United States. I mean, we're already starting to see it uh, become legal in several states. And, and beyond that, we're seeing some states go back and issue pardons for uh, folks who've been convicted of it. Because those convictions are here in Georgia. That's keeping a lot of people from getting jobs. That's keeping people from uh, being able to get loans for schools and, and uh, uh, being able to get apartments and car loans and a, a bunch of different things that uh, folks are not able to do because they have those convictions on their, their records. And we're starting to see people make billions of dollars off of it across the country. But uh, here in our state, it's still um, it's still criminalized. Uh, and in terms of your question about legalized gambling, I have to educate myself on that more. Um, I'm not a casino guy or, or gambler. Nor I, know. I. I, I can't say, afford it. It, it, sound, it sounds like you're asking for a road trip with me and Ray. Uh, we'll help, we'll help yeah. educate you. Jail, Murphy, you North Carolina Vegas? is not too far. <laughs> well, well, based on what Two Bruce hours to did, drive to Murphy. Not gambling. I'm not a gambler either. Got you. Um, but, I, but I, I gamble every day, unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's, it's driving I, on the streets. Well, but, yeah. but uh, not even that. But I work on a contingent fee basis on all my cases. Everything I do every single day is betting it's, on myself. It's betting on But as I'm walking in here on my phone, if I had the apps for barstool sports or uh, any of the gambling apps that revenue doesn't go to the state of georgia yeah, like, like DraftKings or something yeah, like DraftKings. that yeah. i mean so we're there's gambling going on everywhere yeah. and every every saturday afternoon when the sec is playing there's a lot of gambling going on so it's there uh whether it's in the form of casinos or racetracks but in other words what i'm saying is why are we not getting we are the 10th biggest state in the country if i recall that's correct uh and we are not getting revenues from two sources that the sister states are going to around us are going to do and are already doing. You can go up to yeah. North Carolina an hour and thirty minutes from now and gamble. Just yeah. just to add to that, before you answer the question, uh, during March Madness, ten billion dollars will be gambled, <laughs> right. and six billion of it illegally. Wow, that that is. I mean, that's just a study that that I read just the other day. So I, I'm trying to influence your your opinion, but that's but to Ray's point, it happens. Yeah, um, I do have a question. So the Maybe two uh, of the biggest things that have come up or last two legislative sessions, the biggest thing that has been happening down at the Georgia legislature involves um, elections and mm -hmm. and both uh, the 
changing of the maps in Georgia based on the last census data, as well as a broad sweeping law reforming elections, how elections are being handled. Um, Many people think that these changes made by a Republican-led Georgia legislature are disenfranchising black voters, and there are challenges that are being made and are currently being made, and certainly whatever's going to come out of this 2021 legislature, um, there will be, or 2022 legislature, there will be more challenges to this. As Attorney General, you're going to be in a position of having to defend the state of Georgia's actions um, when they're being accused of disenfranchising black voters. And I'm curious how you can resolve that. Right is right and wrong is wrong, right? So if 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 what we're saying is wrong, I will have to work with the governor and all of the, the, the state reps and state senators to make sure we get it right. I mean, that's one of the things that the attorney general can do is use that position and say, hey, guys, let's get this right. But yes, my job is to defend the Constitution, is to defend, to defend the state of Georgia. But I also can say we need to do this a better way and a, and a more fair way and a, and a right way. And it's interesting that you asked this question. So in 2012, I was a chief of staff in Atlanta City Council. And based off of the 2010 census, when the city of Atlanta uh, did their redistricting maps, I actually played a big role in, in the map that was ultimately accepted based off of the 2010 census. And back then what we had to do, uh, the DOJ had guidelines that you had to follow and the maps that you had to submit the the less or the least retrogressive map that you could come up with. Meaning that if you know one district was 50-50 in terms of black and white, but the map you brought in now showed that it was 70-30, you had to explain that difference. And if you could get those numbers closer to what it was at 50-50. You had to submit a map that did that. And I don't think the DOJ has the same guidelines now that they have then, which is why I think we're seeing some of the maps that we're seeing. And I think that everything should come down to fairness and equity. I mean, gerrymandering and and map drawing has always been a problem in our country, has always been a way to keep power uh, contained in certain areas and keep power out of certain areas. But – I would ultimately use my position as attorney general. Uh, I I would preach from the pulpit and say, hey, let's get this right. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. A special guest today is Christian Y. Smith, who's running for attorney general in the state of Georgia. So, Christian, I also know that you have a pretty uh, vibrant social media presence. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm a watcher. I watch some of the things, and and I'm impressed where your uh, where you where you put yourself in places and people and things that uh, even before you announced your candidacy, you were doing those kind of things. Well, I'm going to tee it up for you, but what kind of social organizations are you going to reach out to to sort of, you know, both get your message across, knit your support for voters, but also sort of the grassroots things that you were talking about earlier? Now, I appreciate you for saying that, uh, Ray G. Um, <laughs> I want to go back for a second. In 2020, when I ran for Fulton DA, I met so many black people, uh, so many people in low-income areas who really felt like voting didn't matter. They didn't think that their votes would change anything. They hadn't seen things in their communities change for a really long time. And so that really, it just lit a fire in me to want to do something about it. Uh, So I started uh, an organization called the National Social Justice Alliance, 
because of that and because of the police brutality we saw with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and well, Ahmaud Arbery, but that wasn't done by police. And I wanted to, one, get prosecutors more involved in committing to end police brutality. But then, two, I wanted to do something to encourage more people, more minorities, about just how important voting is. I mean, everybody should always want to vote. So I wrote a kid's book uh, called Chris and Key Go Vote that I actually give away uh, through my nonprofit. I go to elementary schools uh, throughout Georgia, uh, give it away. And so really working with organizations who, uh, one, want to see people vote in, in throughout the state, uh, black, white, poor, rich, whatever, we should all be participating in that. And then organizations that want to see everybody treated fairly, uh, I, I reach out to those organizations and work with a lot. And then two, I will say I've been super, super grateful to have uh, been fortunate enough to meet attorneys like you, uh, some celebrities who have taken uh, an interest in the work that I'm doing. And I had the ultimate blessing of, of Shaka Zulu taking me to meet uh, Clarence Avon out in California. Mr. Avon is known as the Black Godfather. It's an awesome documentary about him on Netflix. I mean, he's worked with politicians throughout his career. You know, Ambassador Andy Young, President Bill Clinton, President Jimmy Carter here in Georgia, President Barack Obama, all of these people who he's helped make sure that folks are having the right to vote protected all of these folks who want to see equality across the board and me having the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation and get some wisdom like him was life-changing for me. I just saw a great picture on uh, social media of you with former mayor, Congressman Andy Young and uh, John Lewis. Yes. You're right in the middle of those two great gentlemen. One of my favorite pictures ever. (laughs) Uh, Ambassador Young actually wrote me a letter of recommendation for law school back in 2007. uh, And he he made me promise him something when he wrote it. I, I won't say what it is, but I will say that I've been keeping my promise to him this whole time, and I always plan to, and I always promise to fight for justice and equality as long as I'm alive. The one thing I can tell you about Christian Wise Smith is he is a good man, and uh, he has got a great head on his shoulders, and his heart is always in the right place, and, and the decisions he makes are always based on his best judgment. I can tell you that about him just by knowing him in the last two years. How do people find out more about you and your run for AG? Go to www.ysmith4ga.com. That's Ysmith, the number 4GA. Um, on IG, at Christian Ysmith. On Twitter, at Chris Ysmith. And if you like what you've heard today, if you like me, you like what I'm saying, you believe in the vision, please donate. Please contribute to the campaign. Um, campaigns take money to get the message out. And I would love to get the message out to you. i love to come meet you. love to come see you. And I had to say thank you to the folks I'm in the room with. I mean, this was uh, an, an amazing day for me. My first time being on the radio, uh, seeing two great friends in here and a new friend. This was uh, an absolute pleasure. So well, thank you, guys. Wait, thank you. And you know you're always welcome, man. You're always welcome. Quickly, in case somebody needs uh, legal help, Bruce, how do they get hold of you? Yeah, no problem finding me, Bruce, at Hagen-Law.com, 404-522-7553. We're always there for you. Um, as I said earlier, we handle personal injury claims, but can help you uh, with whatever your legal needs might be to make sure that you get the best representation you can get. I'm on Twitter at PeepsLawyer.com. Uh, I am now following Christian on Twitter, so looking forward to keeping up with you that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, I've got all that stuff, too. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. Ray G. Deche, 404-964-4185. I've got a webpage, Ray G. Law. Uh, if you meet me at the Palm, I'll have, we can have a cocktail, talk about your legal problem. Let's not get go. into any more. 
but uh, been out in the community for a while. I've been here for 42 years in Metro Atlanta, man. When I moved here, it was a little town. You don't, Not you don't, you don't look that old, man. Thank you, you man. Scotch is an excellent <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. If you need these guys' help, make sure you reach out to them. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. Have a great weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.